Hello there, and welcome to The Time Machine with Trish and Mike. I'm Mike, and... I'm Trish. Because this is the Trish and Mike Time Machine, and that makes <laughs> sense that there would be a Trish speaking as well. How are yeah, you doing today, that? Trish? Are you having a good day today? Happy New Year. I, I am having a good day. Happy New Year's. 2020 is finally about to be behind us. Boy, it didn't seem like we'd ever get there at this point. Like, oh God, it's been a snail pace at this the end here. It's been, it's been so much fun. Think of all the fun things we did this year. I spent a lot of time indoors. Got to reorganize closets and pantries, and we got to express our personalities with you know fun and funky masks. That yes. was cool. Mm-hmm. And we got to uh, go absolutely nowhere. Um, but got saved, to, saved a lot on travel. That was good. True, true. I mean, you know, airfare is expensive. Yeah. Fun yeah. year. <laughs> fun, fun year. We did a little bit in the shower, you know, drank a little wine once in a while. It's great. Lost all concept of time. Have no idea what day or week or hour it is right now. Are we recording this at 1 a.m.? Are we recording this at 2 in the afternoon? Who knows? Who knows anymore? But the one thing we do know is we're glad you're here and that you hit download and are listening to our very first episode. We are glad you're here and hopefully you will like it and hopefully you will come back next week because otherwise it's just me and Trish talking on a Zoom call and... And you, Not and that you know. there's anything wrong with that. That's fine. Yeah. But we're trying to birth a project here at the end of 2020. We're trying to make something beautiful going into 2021. Yes, because we all know we need something to look forward to in 2021. And this podcast is going to be it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It just, it is. It is. So, you know, with it being New Year's Eve, I, I can't help but think that you know, New Year's Eve celebrations obviously are going to be a lot different this year. And the biggest New Year's Eve celebration is Times Square in New York. And the very first ball drop happened on December 31st, 1907. 1907, really? Yeah, were you, you were alive back then, right, Trish? Yeah, yeah, I'm that old. I mean, my students like to think I'm that old. So the uh, first New Year's Eve celebration was, uh, as I said, 1907, was organized by Adolf Ox, who was the owner of the New York Times. Um, for several years, he'd been putting on fireworks shows on New Year's Eve to promote that the New York Times had moved their headquarters to Times Square, which is how it got the name Times Square. Uh, the good thing, though, is they are still going to have a, albeit greatly reduced, uh, celebration yeah. in Times Square this evening. Uh, they're going to be hosting uh, first responders and other essential workers and their families. I did read that. I thought, how nice is that? Like, I know it's still going to be socially distanced. Mm -hmm. um, they're going to be in their own little areas with masks and yeah. everything. But it's it's but, it's nice. I think it's a it's a fitting that the heroes yeah. of 2020 get to enjoy. Uh, the spectacle that is New York. Yeah. That's nice little celebration. That's pretty cool. Uh, you know, the only thing I, I don't know is are they, 
Um, well, of course, they're going to throw up all the confetti that they always do. But I'm wondering if they're going to drop the 3,000 or so pounds that they normally do. Or are they going to? They just get like totally, you know, flooded with confetti. <laughs> you, you know, they actually have 100 uh, confetti dispersal engineers to assist with releasing the confetti. Wow. I wonder how much those engineers get paid. Is it just like a once a time, once a year gig? I don't know. Is it is it like throwing the beads off on a Mardi Gras float? Like like how do you get that gig? I don't know. That, I want that's like it's that like a bucket list item. Yeah, that would be fun to do. Can you uh, imagine putting that on your resume? It's like I am a what did what did you call it? Confetti confetti dispersal engineer. Dispersal engineer on your resume. It's so fancy. I'd hire them. <laughs> I, mean, I would too. If nothing else, I'm going to hire you just to hear that story. Be like, how did you get this title? Right. And can you get me one next year? Uh, the con- funny thing about the confetti is it's actually larger than normal confetti that people may think of. Like, you know, you go to a, a party and, you know, confetti is mm-hmm. real tiny. This confetti is a lot bigger because people, visitors in Times Square can write notes and messages of hope and stuff like that on them. Oh, I didn't know that was a tradition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's and if, <laughs> if anybody out there listening knows a confetti dispersal engineer, and wants Please to wants to uh, send us a DM on Instagram uh, at Trish and Mike show. No, what is no, our time, what is, time machine with Trish and Mike? Yes, That's the, world's, the world's longest Instagram handle at time machine with Trish and Mike. Send us a DM if you're a confetti dispersal engineer. We would love to a thank you for your service and b ask you a ton of questions. Like I'm very curious about this size, but I mean I've to be fair, I've never really paid much attention i mean it's as a canadian it's always been a thing and i grew up on the east coast before moving to the west coast and uh you know you you heard about it it was kind of on the tv in the background if you might have had it but it wasn't like a big thing growing up so i wasn't really paying attention it it is a it is a big thing here and uh, several other cities have their own various drops that they do at midnight which which we'll get to in a second but speaking of big things do you know how big the ball is Ooh, I do not. I'm very curious. The ball, uh, the current ball, first used in 2009, and it is 12 feet tall. Wow, mm-hmm. pretty big. Yeah, so that's 3.7 uh, meters for our Canadian friends who are listening. Oh, I appreciate it. Even though this is one of the rare instances where, as a Canadian, we do actually use imperialism over metric. Really? <laughs> yeah. Now, is that just like, is that like an Alberta thing or is that like a... No, it's like a Canadian thing. Like if someone asks you what your height is, I'll say I'm five foot two. I won't say I'm, you know, 1.3 meters or whatever it converts to, although that is on my driver's license. I forgot to wish you a happy National Short Person Day. Thank you. I I, I am... I apologize. I should have done that back on December 21st. How could you? So insensitive. About I'm my so terrible. I, s- I send you a Christmas card, but I don't send you a National Short Person Day card. I'm going to fix that well, next I, year. I expect it in the mail next year. That's right. Maybe I'll mail it out now so you'll get it in time. Oh, that's right. With all the, the postal backup. Because <laughs> yes, as of this recording, you have not got my Christmas card yet. And I sent that thing out about three weeks ago. <laughs> no, I have not got your Christmas card. I have not got um, any parcels from significant others well significant other there's not others (laughs) i was was like what kind of show are we doing now i have so many more questions (laughs) 
And so, and my parcels were late. So cards, and I, I am just waiting for New Year's before I send out my cards because I figured I'll give the postal workers, God bless them. Yes, hands off break. to them. Because I know they're busting, but man, that's a lot of mail with with how uh, Christmas has gone down this year. Oh, absolutely. And uh, you know, speaking of lots of things, the one thing that always impresses me about the Times Square is the cleanup. That thing is completely cleaned up by morning. All that confetti, oh. all the trash, everything is picked up. I can't even imagine. I mean, they have a crew that comes in overnight, and they just bust their butts, and they get it done. Well, and they have to work so fast, because I'm sure on a regular New Year's Eve, there's thousands upon thousands of people partying until who knows what time, like 3 o'clock in the morning, and yet it's still cleaned up by by business time the next morning. That's yeah, and, and it's a sense of pride to, to the workers there in New York that they mm. get it done, that, you know, we get it cleaned up and, and they're open for business. Yep. That's uh, do, incredible. Do you know how much the ball weighs? This surprised me. I have okay. to admit. So we're, we're 12 feet uh, across and, and in height, right? And it contains it contains a computerized lighting, LED lighting system, and contains 2,688 Waterford crystal triangle panels there's crystals in there waterford crystals wow um i'm gonna guess that it's gonna weigh 130 pounds i'm gonna be way off you're totally way (laughs) off (laughs) by like i'm too light or i'm too heavy oh you're you're, you're, you're way too light you are way too oh. See, here's the thing. Because it's something, is, isn't it attached though? It's attached to something. It doesn't have to be heavy to just stay there. It's it's on a pole. Yeah. Um. But see, but here's the thing. Like you have nothing to base it off of because you've never seen this thing. Right. You've never touched it. You don't know how heavy a panel is. You don't. The ball weighs eleven thousand eight hundred seventy-five <laughs> pounds. I'm so off. Oh my goodness. I'm thinking it's going to be like a lightweight material just to sit on that pole. Uh, 11,875 pounds. And it sits up there year round. Wait, I I did not know that. Mm -hmm. Crazy. It is is interesting, to say the least. Uh, Speaking of interesting. So, as I mentioned earlier, there's different, you know, knockoff droppings that occur Mm -hmm. around the country. Uh, Some of which make sense. Like uh, Atlanta drops a peach because Georgia's and a that peach is, state. Right. I do know that from movies. I see the peach at the end of the recorded in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Like The Walking Dead or whatever. It says filmed yeah. in Georgia. And you see yeah. that. Uh, Charlotte, North Carolina is the queen city. So they drop a crown. Okay. I um, see the connection. You know, Nashville, country music. They drop a music note. Um, okay. Here in Florida, a lot of cities drop orange or... Uh, pineapples or tangerines or other citrus fruits down poles. So some of these make sense. Mm-hmm. And then we get to some of the more unique ones. Ooh, I am feeling like as a Canadian, I am learning a lot here. You're, there's actually a Canadian-American uh, connection on New Year's <gasps> Ooh, Eve. Do tell. So in Eastport, Maine, uh-huh. they drop a sardine at midnight. Okay. But they also, at 11 o'clock, they drop a red maple leaf. Oh. Because it is visible on the other side of Pascamacudi Bay. And I know somebody will 
DM me and tell me I said that wrong. <laughs> uh, so that the folks over in St. Andrews, New Brunswick, because they're an right, hour ahead. Oh, that's so sweet. That's very sweet. So that's, neighborly. See, we're, we're so we're so thoughtful to our Canadian friends. I do love that. Um, so we also have in uh, Tallapoosa, Georgia, they drop a stuffed possum named Spencer. I love that it's not only a stuffed possum, but that it has a name. Continue. <laughs> to, to me, that was the best part. There was a name. <laughs> uh, Mount Olive, North Carolina drops a pickle. What? They're missing a totally perfect moment to drop an olive. Why are they going with a pickle? Well, I will tell you why. Because in, <laughs> in America, Mount uh -huh. Olive is a pickle company. And that is their headquarters. Mount Olive is a pickle company. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. I, I would really like now to have a jar of Mount Olive pickles. I'll talk to Santa Claus and see if we can get you some for Christmas 2021. Maybe, maybe we can make that happen. We also have in Easton, Pennsylvania, they drop a Crayola crayon. I'm assuming this is now the headquarters of Crayola. You're learning. See, oh. <laughs> here in America, we are all about capitalism and marketing. Uh, okay, so let me let me interrupt this for a second. Canadian uh -huh. question for you. Is it oh. crayon or is it crown? How do, how, how do you know? So, so we have crayons. We call them crayons. But what throws me all the time is when I say, do you have pencil crayons? And you all call them colored pencils. Okay. And I'm like, pencil what is crayons. it? Colored okay. pencil. Yeah, we have pencil crayons. And we have Crayola markers. Whereas I have heard in the States that they're called felts. Um, I think we just call them. Now, I'm not an artist, so I'm I'm going to totally probably call them the wrong thing. We have like felt tip markers. Yeah, so, so felt tip markers, and we I only have called them like markers. Like Crayola markers. Crayola markers. Hmm. Yeah, never felts. Interesting. We also have a Bayer aspirin tablet in Myerstown, Pennsylvania. Do you want to take a guess who might have a manufacturing plant there? Would it be Bayer? Bingo. <laughs> You're learning. Uh Dothan, Alabama, where which is a okay. city I have actually been to. It is in southern Ooh. Alabama. I, I went there when I was like eight or something. Uh, we had relatives that lived there. Uh, they drop a peanut. Okay, that makes sense. Peanuts makes are sense. grown there. Uh, Boise, Idaho. They drop potato. Uh -huh. I've almost been to Boise, Idaho. <laughs> I love how the keyword in that sentence was almost. It's like, I'm going to go to Boise. No, I'm not. No, we made it as far as... To us, from Boise, we are so glad that you're listening and we love your potatoes. I really would like to go. We made it as far as Libby Dam, Idaho, and then turned back around. Okay, then. Yeah, we just we just decided to drive into the United States for an afternoon. Because oh, yeah, not? yeah, yeah. And I think I think my favorite in Cincinnati, Ohio, they do not drop something. Okay, do they raise something? Several cities do raise things. Oh, interesting. Um, but in Cincinnati, Ohio, they throw something. They throw something. They throw a pig. They not throw like, not like a live pig. You know, it's like a I guess a like a stuffed pig. Like I mean, like a stuffy, a, a stuffed animal. I don't know. They 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 throw the pig <laughs> because now when pigs fly is an mm -hmm. accurate statement. Yes, that's okay. Oh, okay. How else to start the new year? But with a pig flying, right? Pig flying. 
No, I think 2020 was enough of a crazy year that going into 2021, we don't need pigs flying. I think here in a few hours, a pig's going to fly in Cincinnati. I don't know what the, <laughs> the limitations on the public gathering will be there, but uh, I'm I'm sure even if there is not a formal pig throwing flying event, somebody in Cincinnati is going to throw a pig tonight. Yeah. They just everyone opens their doors at midnight and just throws a pig out. It's gonna happen. Somebody's got like a a porky pig plushie that they're gonna just go toss in their backyard or something. A a pig will fly tonight in Cincinnati. I do believe that. That's funny. I want to hear. I hope someone's listening from Cincinnati and tells us if they've thrown their pig. Yeah, maybe it's it'll be like extra good luck to throw the pig. Maybe I should throw a pig, just in honor. Yeah, there you go. I don't know. And, and and if you're if you're in Cincinnati and you throw a pig, please tell us what your pig's name is. Yeah, I want to know size, color, name. Yeah, because I mean the yeah. people in Tallapoosa, Georgia, named the possum, and Spencer. Are, yeah. Are are you going to be outdone by somebody in Tallapoosa, Georgia? I just like that name. It's That's, it's excellent. Trish, I tell you, the, the southeastern United States, we have some fun <sighs> names. I got to get down there. Yes, it, it, it makes for a great road trip. All these little small towns there. I'm guessing then do you have to go and retrieve the pig? Is it bad luck to take pig back inside the house? I would like to know. I have questions, Cincinnati. Cincinnati, was, c- c- come through for us. We, we're, what was that? There was like a radio ad or a television show. Something about Cincinnati. WKRP in Cincinnati was a sitcom back in like the 80s. That what That's what of? I'm thinking of. Yeah. Well, I don't know how bad luck picking up the tossed pig will be, but you know, 2020 maybe wasn't the luckiest year for either one of us. But at least we're not starting the year in federal prison like Alcatraz, which That's opened right. on January 1st, 1934. Yep, uh, Alcatraz Island, San Francisco, California, becomes a U.S. federal prison on this day, um, and of course. Lots of people have really cool stories about Alcatraz or they have, you know, watched things on television about the ghost stories and things like that. But we have some very interesting facts about Alcatraz. Right. Um, The first thing that comes to mind, of course, is that dramatic escape by the five inmates that occurred. The interesting thing, though, is that there are no confirmed prisoner escapes from the actual records of Alcatraz. They will not admit that uh, the individuals escaped, which is kind of, I thought, funny that they're not willing to admit that the the men at least got out of the prison. They did escape because it's unsolved whether or not they made it, right? Well, I, I think this opens an interesting question. What is defined as an escape? Do, I, true. Do, do, do I think, we count that you got physically outside the building and put your feet in the water as an escape? Because I think that's technically an escape. You may not have survived right. and made it to land, but I think that you technically did escape at that point. Well, and I think they said so there's a total of 36 inmates that have supposedly, I love that they put supposedly, escaped the escape proof. Alcatraz. And of those convicts, 23 were captured right away. Six were actually shot to death and two drowned. You're like, e. And the other five that went missing are presumed drowned. So that includes Frank Morris and brothers John and Clarence uh, Anglin, 
whose 1962 attempted breakout then inspires the 1979 film Escape from Alcatraz. And they are the individuals that chipped through the wall and created the uh, the rubber dinghy out of the rubber raincoats. And uh, their belongings and part of the boat were actually found floating, but there's no bodies or other personal items that were recovered. And I have actually seen a really interesting documentary where they are, there's theories that they actually managed to make it down to South America. Interesting. Um, here in the States, I would imagine the show airs up in Canada as well. The show Mythbusters. Yep. Yep. Yeah. They had on the Discovery Channel. Yes, it, it is on the Discovery Channel, or well, it was when they were making them. Right. Uh, shout out to Adam Savage and Jamie Heineman, who I know are listening today to this episode. But of course, Thanks, what else guys. is they going to be listening to? Uh, they actually did this as a myth. And in fact, they this was one mm. myth they were really looking forward to, to doing on the show because right. they do the show in San Francisco. It's like that's this is the iconic that's San the Francisco thing. myth. And so they tested it. They made uh, a boat out of raincoats and everything. And they determined that, you know, they went back and looked at the current, uh, the, the current in the bay mm-hmm. and everything that the conditions from that night. And they determined that it was plausible that they could have made it to the land and survived. And once you do that, all bets are off. Yeah, that's true. And there's actually a swim that happens. Well, I'm assuming it's not happening this year because of COVID, but there's a 1.5 mile swim uh, annually called the escape from Alcatraz triathlon. So there are individuals that have proven that they can swim it, that uh, the water is not as cold as they I guess, anticipate for the human body to not be able to survive and swim. And the fun fact is Alcatraz was the first federal prison for a long time that actually only had hot water showers. So uh, to keep the inmates conditioned to being uh, in the warmer water, which I thought was kind of interesting. That, that is interesting. Alcatraz originally, before it became a U.S. federal prison, mm-hmm. the U.S. Army actually used it as a military prison. They did. In the early 1900s for a brief period. People automatically want to think that it was like the worst individuals or the worst criminals in the American system that were put in Alcatraz. But it's actually, uh, it was any inmates that they deemed uh, requiring uh, um, conformity, that they were just basically needing some tough love. And so they would get sent to Alcatraz. But the prisoners themselves, a lot of people actually requested to go to Alcatraz because the single bed cells were were highly, you know, desired commodities in the federal prison system. That makes sense because if I'm going to be in here for a long time, I don't want to be stuck with Timmy, the annoying tool bag. Right. Or, you know, shivved in your sleep by somebody paid off. If you yeah. were high ranking like Capone. True. Who was yeah. there and played a banjo. He played a banjo. He uh, they allowed him to do that because mentally he was going downhill pretty quick. And uh, so they thought allowing him to have some musical therapy, I guess, would be highly desirable for his moods. You know what else is desirable in prison and very valuable commodity what would that be? Cigarettes. <laughs> Very true, right? That's the the uh, currency in prison. Yes, uh, uh, among other uh, method, uh, forms of currency. currency. Uh, so cigarette advertising was banned on American television in January 1st, 1971. 
Right. And that was, so that's any form of advertising, right? Commercials. Uh, it was specifically banned on American television at that point. Oh, television. Uh, up until the 90s, and we'll get into this here in a second, uh, cigarette advertising just couldn't be on TV. You could still run them in magazines. Uh, you would still see them up in like arenas or stadiums, you know, billboards as you're driving down the road, that sort of thing. But the big thing that cigarette companies did was they expanded into motorsports. Which is, a, you know, kind of an interesting sport to have cigarettes promoting. It is, but in, it was actually kind of smart for them because it allowed them to get on TV. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the biggest things, um, RJ Reynolds, through their Winston brand, they began sponsoring what became known as the NASCAR Winston Cup Series. And so, you know, every race, you know, welcome to the NASCAR Winston Cup Series live at the Daytona 500, blah, blah, blah. You know, so Winston, 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 you're getting pounded constantly with Winston all the time. Uh, up until 2003, when their deal finally expired as part of the uh, Tobacco Master Settlement Agreement in 1998, mm -hmm. the major tobacco companies settled and agreed to, quote, not take any action directly or indirectly to target youth with advertising, promotion or marketing of tobacco products. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that was like a big turning year for a lot of countries kind of changing their tobacco laws. It, it, I think so. I think you know, when we got into the 90s and we started learning the negative yeah. effects of smoking, um, you know, there was a big societal shift uh, mm -hmm. towards that. And in addition to Winston Cup, they also sponsored NHRA to Winston Drag Racing and would also sponsor race teams in MotoGP, kart, IndyCar, sports car racing, like you name it. Cigarettes. If you just Google race cars from the 70s it's, or 80s it, you're going to see cigarette companies being advertised okay. on the cars uh it's interesting they still technically do sponsor uh the ferrari team in formula one as we sit here and record this in 2020 going into 2021 and how are they able to get around that yeah so this this is interesting because they uh have been sponsored primarily by marlboro since 1993 okay. And over the years, as some of these laws changed, especially in the UK, where a lot of the Formula One races are ran, mm -hmm. the limits and restrictions on what could be on the cars has changed. So at various times, they've just had like the Marlboro logo without the word Marlboro. They've just had like that oh, red okay. kind of triangle looking thing that's on top. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes they've had like a barcode there. Oh, so if you... Yeah, so it was Get just it, like, a QR code? Nah, it wasn't like a QR code. It was just like it would just look like a barcode, but it was just like a subtle thing because you're seeing like the red top of a marble logo with this barcode. It just like kind of mentally triggers in your mind that that's still marble. Oh, so sneaky. They, they are. And then so back in 2019, Scuderia Ferrari and Philip Morris announced a 45 year partnership promoting Mission Winno. So like if you see. Uh, you know, Ferrari now in F1, it's sponsored by Mission Winnow. What is Mission Winnow, you may ask? I am asking that as a non-sporty person. <laughs> Mission Winnow is a global initiative to create engagement around the role of science, technology, and innovation as a powerful force for good in any industry. Oh. I have absolutely no idea what that means and 
I could not find any description other than a bunch of generic buzzwords to explain that to me. But, but still it to sounds this day, really good. It sounds like, you're like I can get behind that. You're like, yes, I do want to support all of those things. Yeah, it all sounds great. Also, fire but, cigarettes. Yeah. Like, so and how is it in Canada? Because I'm sure this is one of many things that we'll discover as we go through this show. The differences between U.S. and Canada. What right. is can uh, cigarette advertising like in Canada? So uh, it's been a similar thing where it's been slowly kind of phased out in terms of who can view it. But uh, recently, in the last couple of years, they have actually made it illegal for you to see the cigarettes in the store. So if you ask for, say, you go and you're like, hey, can I have a pack of Players Light? Um, which I think is similar to, um, what do we say, your cool something cigarettes? Because we have different brands, right? Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure there's there's different brands as well. Um, yeah. I mean, like, I know we've I got, forget. I looked it up. We've, like, we've Marlboro. Marlboro, um, Winston. I'm trying to get, like, the major brands that I see when I go see, to and Winston Canada. doesn't sound familiar for me. Yeah, I think that, That's like that, a new thing. that may be more of a regional thing because Winston because Winston is like based out of North Carolina which is oh. I think really where the big NASCAR connection came from the 70s because NASCAR especially back then was really just a southeastern sport which would make course, a lot of sense right so it's like yeah. hey local company hey help us out sell some cigarettes we'll send you some money to make a nice trophy to give somebody at the end of the year okay cigarettes was, and car it was a nice trophy I liked it the, the old Winston Cup trophy google it so not I will have driving, to Google you know, Not while I'm driving. That. That's not yeah, good. That would not be I'll, good. I'll wait. Yeah. I'll be a good person. But no, like here you actually, if like you go to the store, you um they have to actually lift open the panel and take the pack out. And there's only signage in terms of warning. So um growing up when I was actually when I was 15, one of my best jobs ever. <laughs> And I say that I love that job. I was what was called a student tobacco inspection agent. And it was for the Nova Scotia Department of Health because every uh, it's all um, health is a provincial issue here in Canada. And there was a loophole in the law where if you were under 19, because you have to be 19 in Nova Scotia to buy cigarettes or alcohol. If you were under 19, you could technically legally buy cigarettes but under the law the store it was illegal for them to sell it to you so kind of using this loophole as a 15 and 16 year old because they didn't want to trick anyone they they were trying to be fair in terms of these compliance checks i would go into a store and i would have to look for all the signage and uh, then ask for a pack of cigarettes and if they asked for my id <clears throat> i didn't even have a driver's license at this point i had a nova scotia um identification card which should have been you know warning warning this person shouldn't really be allowed to buy cigarettes but they would check your age and they would either be willing to sell or they'd say get lost kid like you're not old enough and then i would have to go back out into the truck with my boss who was an ex-rcmp officer and we would fill out our report and go on to the next door that was pretty fun, but I would have to pinpoint all the signage and look for the person's name and write down what, what I was trying to buy and the price of it. Interesting. So, that, that, yeah. That's, at 15, that's, that's really a pretty cool job. At 15 and 16, it was a really good job. And I got paid like $15 an hour, which was crazy at the time in Nova Scotia. And I got my meals covered. 
Oh, and we just, I just drove around with my boss and we chit chatted and then I'd hop out of his truck and try and buy cigarettes. That sounds like, <laughs> that's a pretty good gig. It was pretty uh, good. Now, now to, to kind of backtrack for a second, if, if you don't mind to, to help out our American listeners who may not uh -huh. know, you, you dropped an acronym in there. Now I, 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 knew oh. it, I knew what it was, but some may not. You said the RCMP. Oh, okay. Yeah. The, the RCMP, the Royal Mounted um, Canadian Police, right? Yes. So, or the Royal Canadian, Canadian Mounted, Mounted Police. Police. <laughs> yes. I was say, wait, I think I'm like, I'm not even going to correct myself. Yeah. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police. So they are our national police service. In Canada, we have national police service. And then in some of the larger cities, like in Edmonton, we have the, uh, the Edmonton Police Service. And in Ontario, they have the the Ontario Provincial Police. Uh, RCMP is for the Americans who are trying to picture this. The uh, Dudley Do Right yes. is is the, basically Dudley Do Right. If you watch Do South, the television show about the uh, RCMP officer who was in Chicago, you might remember. But they're wearing the red outfit, the red surge, and often on horseback. You can go to the musical ride and you can see uh, the Mounties on the horses, and they they have a show that they put on there's a musical ride is this it's like called a, the musical ride is is there like a canadian disney world that i don't know about no sadly you just get to sit in the stands and you watch them basically do all of these really interesting parade tricks with the horses so they they okay. go around the so, arena so it's kind of like a um like a dressage or or some uh, equestrian uh... yeah it's like an equestrian show okay. yeah okay. yeah and the horses have to be um, all of a certain type of horse and they have to be like pure black and they are all in the stables in Ottawa, which is the capital of Canada. And I've been to that stable cause I love horses. So I uh, had my cousin drive me out there and we got to visit the stables and see the horses. Is there like a particular uh, breed that they typically, the, the RCMP I'd have to use Google or, is that, what it is. or do they use several breeds? It's not like, like um, here, in America, a lot of times, like our, we have bomb sniffing dogs and stuff, or canine right. units and that sort of thing. So I didn't know if there was a specific breed, oh. perhaps, or or anything that they were like known for. Or like uh, here in America, we have the Budweiser Clydesdales. Right. You know, I didn't know if there was like an iconic breed of horse. Apparently, is a French Canadian horse. We oui. cheval cheval Canadien. Now, do do they have to like? Uh, give the horses like Evian water or something, or can they just drink regular water? Do they need French water? It's probably water out of the Ottawa River. You know, it borders on Quebec. It borders on the province of Quebec on Gatineau Hall. So there'd be some French influence. Gotta be honest, I don't actually have a transition to our next topic, so we're just gonna have to jump into it. We're gonna just jump in? Well, yes, because we need, we, we definitely need to hurry up and get this birthday greeting out of the way because... <gasps> Yes, that's right. Because we it's want a to very... wish a very special happy birthday coming up on January 2nd to yep. Miss Kane Tanaka. Yep. She is currently the oldest living person on earth. And she has been the oldest person since July 22nd, 2018. And will turn 118 years old in two days. That's incredible. That That is. And she has, she has lived quite a life. She had paratyphoid fever when she was 35. What? She uh, had pancreatic cancer and underwent surgery for that when she was 45. She had gallstones removed when she was 76. I was going to be like, if it ended with another five, it's like, lady, we got to get past these like <laughs> yeah. decade birthdays. 
Exactly. Uh, she had cataract surgery when she was 90. Oof. And when she was 103, she had colorectal cancer. Oh, my goodness. And she's still kicking. She's still kicking. Wow. So what is what is she on record as saying what she thinks is the reason she's lived so long? She uh, did an interview uh, back when she was 114. Okay. So pretty recent. Four years ago. Three years ago. Saying that sentence alone is awkward. Back when she was 114. Yeah. Getting interviewed. She said she would like to live to be 120 and she credits family, sleep and hope for longevity. Oh, and hope. That's so precious. Sleep. I'm already screwed. Yeah. Uh, So she is the oldest living person. Uh, So this, of course, sent me down the rabbit hole and I had to get to the bottom of this. The oldest independently verified person on record was Jean Calment. She was born February 21st, 1875 and died on August 4th, 1997. She was uh, a resident of Aries, France. She lived to be 122 years, 164 days. What? 122? 122 years. Oh, my goodness. And almost, right? And 200, how many days? You said 200 and... Uh, 164. So 164 days. Almost 122 and a half. Half. Yeah. That's See, crazy. Now, now, like here in, in America, when you're a kid, kids get real excited about half birthdays. Like I'm three. Is that and a half. thing? I, I don't think really they throw parties, but kids are like, you know, like if you ask a kid who's like, say, three years and seven months old, how old are right. you? I'm three and a half. Like they want you to know oh, that. No, that, that's a that, half. I'm not three. I'm three and a half now. Uh, so, like, I wonder when you get to be like 110, do you start doing? I'm 110 and a half, or do you half? literally start counting it by days? Like, I'm 110 and 314 days. I would be totally bragging on that. I would yeah, be letting too. everyone know exactly how old I am. Right. Like, like you go wheeling by somebody in the nursing home. I'm 112 and 119. How are you? How old are you? Oh, <laughs> you're only 82. Well, aren't you just a youngin? There has been some skepticism, though, about Miss Calment. It oh, really? Why? Yes, uh, there um, have been some uh, researchers that have done and have presented whole presentations on how they believe that the real Jean Clement died in 1934, and <gasps> that her daughter Yvonne has impersonated her. Ninety-eight assumed her mother's identity. And if so, Yvonne, who was born in 1898, would have only been 99 when she died, which in and of itself is yeah, still good accomplishment. Um, but they have uh, other researchers have gone and verified some things, and they believe her to have been the oldest living person. Oh my goodness! So why do they think the daughter in person, like other than bragging rights, right? There's not really a reason to just take over your mother's identity as the oldest person. The only thing I was able to possibly think that she would have had reason to assume her mother's identity is because her mother uh, came or married into a wealthy family. So maybe, oh, maybe there she was, was still getting money. Maybe somehow mm-hmm. something. I, I don't know. Interesting. Some sort of spousal support or like um, allowance, yearly allowance given. Maybe there, there, there had to have been uh, something, 
something to do with that there because that's fascinating. It it creates an interesting theory. So we got to really hope for Miss Tanaka that she makes it past. She she says she wants to live to be 120. We got to really hope that this lady gets to like 123 and become the oldest. We we, we're rooting for you, Miss Tanaka. I'm rooting. Yeah. Hang in there and happy birthday. Yes. And so the oldest American oh. was Sarah Knaus. She was born September 24th, 1880 and died. Are you ready for this? Yeah. December 30th, 1999. Wow. She couldn't. She almost she made make it. it. Two more days and she could have made it to the millennium. Oh. Bless her. Well, I- uh, it was probably all the fear about Y2K. That could have done it. Right? That, I that, mean, people were really stressing out. I was only 15 at the time, and it seemed really scary. I, I just remember I mean, people back then thought anything could have happened. You know, planes were going to start oh. falling out of the sky at midnight. The power was going to shut off. I remember people being like, your toaster's going to explode. The bank's going to eat your money. And it was like, okay, I'm 15 and have zero control over any of these things. My brother was working as an intern in the Diefen bunker with a, uh, a security, an underground security, it's now a museum in Ottawa. And he was on the team that was supposed to like prepare Canada <laughs> in case something, in case something did happen. Um, so he was probably reassuring my parents and kind of giving them whatever inside scoop he was like don't worry he could he was like don't worry we got an extra supply of maple syrup we're gonna make it through this (laughs) we'll be okay don't worry mom and dad he he knew where the stash was like you know (laughs) up up in uh like you know hamilton ontario or something there's like some bunker somewhere a secret secret tunnel yes well and there's uh what was it the boot the bootlegging tunnels in um oh shoot i think it's in Saskatchewan somewhere now it's drawing a blank on me but it was where all the bootlegging went with the alcohol during prohibition there's probably secret stashes of maple syrup all over the place yeah I'm sure that there is and bootlegging is is kind of how NASCAR got its start oh we tied it back yeah it it, it was (laughs) basically you know because you'd have to have your car souped up so you could outrun the revenuers and the police and all that and they finally Uh, Big Bill France put together racing league. He's like, hey, y'all got these fast cars. Let's put them on a racetrack. Let's let's, see who's the best one. Exactly. Let's see who's the (laughs) fastest. Well, and not to be outdone, but the oldest Canadian. I love that we have the oldest Canadian people ever. Ranked Mm -hmm. number one uh, is Marie-Louise Milieu. She's 117 years and 230 days. And I totally want to thank you for saying that because I was going to butcher that last name. (laughs) Oh, French names. As long as we don't get into Ukrainian names, because I grew up on the East Coast and we have a lot of Scottish and Dutch. Um, I was not exposed to the Ukrainian culture until I moved out West. So Polish and Ukrainian names throw me. The oldest man, This I found this interesting because there's the whole, you know, who lives longer, women or men. Right. The oldest man on record was, and I'm going to butcher this, so please, if you're listening from Japan, send me a, a, a translation on this. Hiroman... Kimura. Uh, he died back in 2013. He was 116 years and 54 days, and he is only the 19th oldest person. So all the others are women. All Interesting. The, the 18 oldest people on record were women. I would be curious to uh, see if these individuals were married or single, because I have read a study that says men, if they're married, will gain 10 years. 
But if women are married, they actually lose something like six or seven years. <laughs> well, maybe if you uh, see, okay, so then like if if you marry twice or you divorce once, does that throw off the ratio? Yeah. Like, there's there's got to be some. Like, do I have to be concerned about my ratio now, Mike? <laughs> right. Like, like you like you need to determine. Okay, if, if you if you get divorced by a certain age, does that give you your six years back? And then is it like trans transitive property? You pass the five years on to the <sighs> the man. Like, there's. There's got to be the ex-husband gets to keep some of those years because yeah, yeah. I want those years back, man. Somebody has done some research on that. There has yeah. to be, but it's like, do you really want those last ten years as a man? Those could be like not great years. I'm thinking Dennis Leary stand-up act. As a woman, are you <laughs> glad that you get to check out five years earlier? That is true. That's a positive way of looking at it. You're welcome. <laughs> it's like marriage is so great. I'm so happy for that. We're doing you a favor. Those are the years you don't want anyway. Exactly. Right. Uh, that's unless, so funny. Unless you're you're like Mr. Naka, who, you know, is well, still, she's... still getting it done. So good for yeah. her. Living a good life. Then we have another birthday that's actually today is uh, Val Kilmer, born uh, in Los Angeles. Yes. Mr. Kilmer, the ice yes. man. From right. Top Gun. Top Gun. Well, and Batman from Batman Forever, and right? probably some other movie with a man in it that I'm not thinking of right now that I could throw out. To <sighs> I wish all this. I could think of is Tombstone, but that doesn't have man in it. I've thrown it. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't think of of any. Yeah, I got nothing for you. I got but, nothing. So, so, so what are, what are your thoughts on Mr. Kilmer? I mean, I really like him as an actor, and then I read a bunch of rumors that he's like not. Um, so wonderful on set that he can be a bit of a diva. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That he's actually um, scared directors away. So in the, in the Batman film that he's in, the director actually quit. And rumor is it uh, in interviews that he said he was driven to leave by having a nervous breakdown because of Val Kilmer on set. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, that is not a glowing review. Well, America does not give him a glowing review as Batman because in a, a recent poll, uh, America's favorite Batman actor of the five actors who have played Batman in major motion pictures. You want to guess where he ranked on that list? See, this hurts my heart because I actually really liked his Batman performance, but I liked his Bruce. Well, no, well, his Batman was OK because this is this is the thing when you're Batman. You're playing two yeah. characters. You, you have, have to be a good Bruce, yeah. Right, and you have to be a good Batman. It's like you know, mm -hmm. people dog on Batman and Robin with George Clooney, but Clooney makes a good Bruce Wayne because he's yeah. suave, you know, debonair kind of like that's a good Bruce Wayne. Mm -hmm. It's not his fault. The rest of the movie is complete hot garbage. Right. <laughs> it's not his fault that they totally changed the suit. And uh, bat nipples, bat nipples. I know. I mean, that's bad. That's bad. If, if, if I, I was remember, trying to be tactful there, Mike. I was trying to, you know, protect when they're, the bat. when they're out there in your face in the movie, especially when you're watching it in 4K, you can't not. Oh, goodness, the bat nipples. I'm just saying, oh, goodness. If I ever meet George Clooney, I'd be like, Hi, Mr. Clooney, I'm a fan, love your work, up in the air, great, oh brother, where art thou, loved you on ER. Um, can I please have my 750 back for going to see Batman and Robin? 
Like, oh, he'd like sadly shell it out to you because it's not the first time someone's asked. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but you're right. He did. He did play a good Bruce. But I think Val played a good Bruce. And I do think he played a pretty good Batman. People just didn't want a blonde Bruce. So I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit biased because, like, Batman Forever, for all its flaws, still has some good stuff. I mean, that movie is loaded in a lot of other ways. You've got mm-hmm. Jim Carrey as the Riddler. You've got um, Tommy Lee Jones as Two Face. You've got Nicole Kidman Chase. Right. You know, so it's. Um, and I thought the chemistry between Val and Nicole was really good. That's because set. Nicole's amazing. Nicole is amazing. I will not deny that. that that's not, you know, because of Val. That, that's all Nicole right there. I'm just saying. But again, maybe I'm biased. Well, regardless of who you want to give credit to the chemistry to, hopefully you've enjoyed the chemistry between Trisha and I on this first episode. And we want to thank you for making it this far because you've made it to the end. And if you didn't make it this far, well, I hope you wake up one morning and pour orange juice in your coffee instead of creamer because, you know, that's what you get for not listening. Yeah, exactly. Because you you didn't make it to the end of this episode, which also means you're not hearing me insult you. But, you know, hey, so be it. So be it. Thank you guys so much for joining us on the maiden voyage of the time machine. And uh, we just are really, really thankful that we get the opportunity to share a little bit of nerdy history with you. Absolutely. We look forward to having you join us next time. Every Thursday, look for a new episode of The Time Machine with Trish and Mike. 